Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. There was a great Reddit thread this week by a user named 2008 Finals Game 6 titled Unpopular Celtics Opinion Thread. Classic off-season content. Today we're rifling through that thread and believe me, there are some scorches. Also, Mark Steiner reported all earlier today that all NBA teams will be announced at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this evening. It's about 7.30 p.m. now, so we're going to keep an eye on that and uh, report any findings that come through. Joining us back for his third podcast with us now, Jason, a.k.a. Celtics J. Welcome back, sir. How's it going? What's up? Good to be back. Likewise. It's good to have you back, man. And look, we've also got another newbie uh, to welcome to the podcast today as part of our global expansion. We've got to keep those shareholders happy. <laughs> Garrett, a.k.a. Gkong21. Welcome to the show, mate. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for bringing me on. Uh, it's my first time, so be nice. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, before we get into it, uh, Garrett, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? You know, why'd you start following the Celtics? Uh, I'm from Arlington, Virginia. So, you know, one of the many uh, dislocated, or I guess, I don't <laughs> know, but not in Boston Celtics fans. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, Oh, I, I really hope I'm not going to make people feel old, but I, I started following the Celtics right about in 2008, which is when I was in the fourth grade. Um, and uh, it was because at that time, I didn't really know a lot about basketball. And like the only players I knew were Shaq because, you know, he was Shaq, you know, everyone mm-hmm. knew Shaq. And <laughs> then uh, KG because he was on the cover of Backyard Basketball which was one of my favorite video games to play growing up. And so obviously when he got traded, it was like huge news. And I, and I would see it in the sports section of uh, the Washington Post. And so I followed the Celtics a little bit that year. And when they won the championship, I got really excited. And, and so I've been, uh, been following them uh, very passionately ever since, uh, especially as uh I, I used to follow the NFL. I mean, still follow the NFL a decent amount, but I I played football uh, for four years in high school, and I've never the game's never been the same for me since then. So my my <laughs> NFL fandom has started to taper off. My NBA fandom is has skyrocketed. So it's on the up. Well, there you go. I love a, I love a unique origin story. And again, welcome, mate. We're very happy to have you on board. Let's get right into this, shall we? So unpopular opinions on Celtics Reddit on the internet unsurprisingly many unpopular opinions there was like you were not <laughs> like there were some just like red hot like 101 mile an hour fastballs just like whoosh, you know like <laughs> absolutely whoa. people are feeling extreme right now so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to start us off I'm going to read through a few of these and guys let me know if you agree disagree you know why and why not and let's let's get the conversation started there and we'll get to our own unpopular opinions a little bit later so, starts with the OP. User 2008 Finals Game 6 writes, Tatum and Brown being stars kept Danny around a bit longer than he should have been here for. Garrett, you're the new guy. We'll, we'll go to you first. What do you think about this take? I mean, I feel like Tatum and Brown is like a pretty legit reason to keep someone around. You know, like, like, like th- those are really good picks. Um, especially, you know, Tatum is, as, you know, many people brought up on the post and, and just, yeah, I like like that, like Markel Fultz was the number one pick, and 
Danny Ainge said, you know, no thanks, we're good, and that turned out great. And and I mean, like, it's like picking good players, even with top picks, is not a guarantee. Uh, and and so I feel like like you can definitely say that maybe Danny was around a few years longer than you would have liked. He did a really good job in drafting those players. So like, I can't really be mad at him for doing that and being like, well, you know, if he drafted worse, he wouldn't have been here longer. It's like, yeah, <laughs> okay, but he didn't, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a crapshoot. What do you think, Jason? Do you think it kept him around a little bit I, longer than he otherwise should have? I think the new guy's being nice. This is a terrible take. <laughs> like, it's not, this isn't about being an unpopular take. This is just a bad take. Like, Danny... Danny has well, that's earned why it's unpopular. his credibility. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it, it just, there's, I just don't feel like there's any basis in reality here. I mean, Danny from day one, since he showed up, has done nothing but restabilize a floundering and suffering organization. Um, and the idea that those particular draft picks kept it around, people were booing and trying to get him out the door when he drafted Jalen. Like, I remember that draft party. Ain't no one celebrating in the garden. When Brown got drafted, they were booing. Ain't no one booing now, <laughs> you yeah. know. And we'll talk about having to consider Jalen a little bit later. But yeah, I, I disagree with this take. This was an interesting thread to like. Often we'll we'll sort threads by controversial to try and get some of those like spicier takes. <laughs> but to sort an unpopular opinions thread by controversial almost had like an inverse <laughs> effect where we were seeing like more level-headed takes. It was weird, but anyway, I digress. I, I disagree with this take. I think it's. Everything that's happened since they were drafted that has expedited his departure, not necessarily the, the drafting of the Jays or them ascending into into stardom. I think if that was the sort of thing that was going to prolong his tenure, then that extended period would only just be starting now. Like they've just both made the All Star team as a duo for the first time. Obviously, JT made it last year as well. Um, but their, their stardom is really only taking off now. So for to be able to um, uh, attribute their stardom to to Ainge sticking around a little bit longer. I think you can only just start to do that now. So um, I disagree. And if anything, his lack of success more more than his drafting has been his off-season acquisitions or lack of mid-season acquisitions, mm-hmm. where that was maybe an area where you could kind of argue some strength earlier maybe, on in his like, tenure. You could also say like Danny not making the Justice Winslow draft night trade also kept him around longer. Yeah. Than- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way to not do that, Danny. You could stay a little bit longer. That would have been a mess. <laughs> so this one's from user Burner for Celtics. The, the difference between, quote, Kemba is washed and, quote, Kemba has lost a step and he's still a good player is just a good role man. On a related note, I predict that if Robert Williams plays 2,000 minutes next season, Kemba will play well enough to rehab his value, and he'll actually turn down his player option. Oof. Some spice there. Um, Jason, thoughts on this one? Burner was going after some folks, because like, <laughs> Kemba's been one of the more polarizing Celtics players to discuss in the sub lately. Um, you know, it be, it's really, it's been between Kemba and Jalen, where people are just getting on like one side of the fence and throwing just fireballs at the other side so i think that was a that that's a good unpopular opinion to throw out there i, I like it i like it I, I think i think it is a little bit situational with kemba obviously the injuries i mean we can we can sit here and wish he wasn't hurt or hadn't got hurt and all these things but ultimately the guy the guy's a bucket he's always been a bucket he's always gonna be a bucket he can he can shoot it's not like he forgot how to shoot so if he comes back and he's got any strength left in that in that leg and he's got a squad that's that's running and, and moving the ball and moving without the ball, I think 
I think things can happen. I can see success for this team with Kemba on the roster. Yeah, what do you think, Garrett? Yeah, I think y'all talked about this a little on the last episode, where it's like talking about like Kemba, like a lot of the popular trades that are being thrown around, not necessarily bringing back like the value that Kemba still has. Like even though he's getting paid a lot, and I, I don't, I think re getting getting his value back to where he turned down his player option i think would be very difficult uh, so <laughs> i don't know about that part but i think he i mean we especially obviously things didn't go great in the playoffs but the last couple of weeks of the regular season he was looking close to uh what uh what we would like him to be on a regular basis and i i think yeah i mean like I mean, if if Robert Williams can play two, you know, two thousand minutes, everybody's going to be better, um, and For Kemba sure. included, because that's obviously a big, uh, you know, having someone like that uh, is a big part of his game. And I, you know, I mean, we saw when Robert Williams was healthy, like having someone, a big man that can jump, is great. Everyone feasted. Yeah, and uh, Tristan Thompson cannot jump, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this this take really uh, heated up towards the end there with the notion that that Kemba Walker might actually turn down his player option. Um, the the whole idea about <laughs> that was I I think we can rehab his value to the point where we can get a little more in a trade for him potentially. Yes. but the <laughs> player option. Yeah, I don't know. Ben's pulling the reality card on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, these are unpopular takes. Like like we said, they're, they're unpopular for a reason. The, the notion of a, a role man, a better role man being on the squad and, and sort of uplifting Kemba's value is interesting. So this is the one take that I did a bit of research on. So burcleaningtheglass.com. During the regular season, any lineup that included Kemba at point guard and Tice at center before the trade and both Thompson and Timelord on the bench averaged 122.3 points per possession in 521 possessions of half-court offense, not transition, all half-court offense, so you're assuming there's some pick-and-roll um, happening as part of that half-court offense. Um, that's in the 97th percentile league-wide in half-court offense efficiency. Pretty that's good. Solid. Compare that that efficient lineup with with center, um, with Tice at center and Kemba at point guard. So switching the centers there, Tice on the bench, Thompson at center, 114.1 points per possession from 772 total half-court possessions this season. So just the 63rd percentile league-wide. So a very notable difference Can't there jump. in that role, man, for, for Campbell Walker there. So uh, Burner for Celtics, you know, might be under something there. It might not be necessarily a, an overly hot take, an overly unpopular take there. So uh, interesting, and we'll keep an eye on that as the roster changes throughout the offseason. The thing about Tice, too, is he could stretch the floor a little bit, which yeah. also helped as far as being a, a pop option. And that's the yeah. limit that, that Robert Williams Robert, has right now is he, he can't really stretch the floor. He knocked down at least four, like, 15-footers this year, so. <laughs> there you go. Mid-range <laughs> games on the up. <laughs> Greg's keeping track of those stats. All right, keep that board up. <laughs> uh, this is from user C's Up Forever. <laughs> Grant Williams isn't as bad as this sub makes him out to be, and he deserves to come back next season. Carrot, what are your thoughts on Grant Williams? Oh, I just this is. I mean, again, y'all y'all talked about summer league uh, uh, last week, and I replied in the comments is I love summer league, and I love all these young guys, (laughs) and Grant Williams seems like such a fun dude. You know, I just I just don't know if it's gonna work out for him. I think. I, I I I don't think he is horrible, and I think he is definitely a quality NBA player. Um, I I think that the the off season 
this year did did him kind of dirty. And I think if we keep him, I think he could potentially be valuable. Um, but he's just, I don't know if he, I mean, like the reason you can get some smaller guys to be good at the four or the five is because they're really athletic. Uh, and Grant, athleticism is not his greatest strength. He is, he's like Zion size, you know, with the width and the height, but he can't jump as high or finish as well around the rim. Um, he's more like a Millsat build. Yeah. 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 Um, and play style. Without yeah, the shooting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> without, yeah without the shooting. The, he, you know, he's, he's getting there though. Come on. He can, you can do it, Grant, I believe. I just, yeah, I, I think if, if I think he can be a solid role player for like, a. uh, some some team out there but i think if the celtics uh, which i guess we might get into this in one of the later opinions but if the celtics want to be a uh, championship team I, I think they may need to move on to someone who's a little bit more consistent in their role yeah fair enough jason up or down on, on grant I, williams here yeah like I, I think grant williams is one of those guys that, that can is going to likely sink or swim with whoever the new coach is going to be like if the new coach is able to come in and get kind of a, a seriousness fire lit under Grant, because there's no lack of basketball IQ with Grant Williams, right? Like the guy knows how to play basketball. He understands systems. He he sets some of the best picks on the team. Um, you know, he's an aggressive rebounder. He can play on both sides of the court. He can play above his height at the at that small ball center position and not give up too much in the post. So you like that. And and he does have he has demonstrated the potential to be able to stretch the floor a little bit. I mean, it hasn't been lovely and consistent yet, but it's like there is still that that sliver of potential, um, even though that's a, a buzzword on the negative side of the spectrum lately. But again, I think if we bring in a coach that's able to tap into his energy and get him a little bit more serious about the game, because he kind of seems like a goofy guy, you know, like a guy that you'd like to have around because he helps things not get too serious, right? Yeah, he plays but board there's, games. He's got to be fun. He's pretty good from what I understand, right? <laughs> But like I think if 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 a coach can get him tuned in more into like that Marcus Smart mentality, right? And that's easier said than done because people are who people are. But mm-hmm. I think if he gets a little bit of that edge going, a little bit of that fire in his belly, he could be a dark horse for like a real valuable bench player, especially in a small ball five role that can stretch the floor but still bang with bigger bodies. So I'm a, I'm on the team of not wanting to give up entirely on Grant Williams unless he's going to be a part of obviously just acquiring a higher level of player if you're packaging him with some other you know uh scenario where you're bringing in another player but then you know that's a different that's a whole different thing if we're just talking about grant williams on the celtics i'm in i'm i'm i think if he gets a good coach he he's still got some hope in him but if if the coach doesn't like grant then grant's going to be on his way out because he's not going to do it by himself i don't think i think he's going to need somebody to kind of get him livened up yeah it just made me think of like another like because I'm, of course, always just constantly in my mind now are all these like Kemba trades that that I keep seeing, and and it's like, <laughs> like all these people that we could potentially be getting are just benchies who failed somewhere else, and all like mo- or most of not all but most of the good benchies around the league are like these young guys that like become relevant suddenly, and like, like so like Grant is like one of the people who you would want to become like one of the successful benchies who's like a good player and 
but just hasn't been able to get that second contract yet due to age because like then a lot of those guys become starters and get paid somewhere to be on a mediocre team for a long time you know like terry rozier um and 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 so like Ooh, subtle shade thrown in no, i mean terry's a great guy but it's like he's not gonna be you're not gonna win a championship with terry rozier as your starting point guard you know but he was a phenomenal bench player when we didn't have to pay him money um, or when the Celtics didn't have to pay him money, and and like Grant, like if he if he can get that edge, like this is the type of player that you want to be coming off your bench, like a like you you get like a third or fourth year player who's like just hit he just on the up and hasn't gotten that second contract yet, but is is finding his NBA place. And if that if we could get that to work, I mean, this is the type of person you want on the bench, um, unless we can get Jeff Green back one more time, but. Uh, um i i think it's crazy that it's an unpopular opinion that grant isn't as bad as some people might think like that's that's a pretty loose take like grant isn't as bad as people think he is and yet that's a that's a noticeably unpopular opinion i i I agree with you garrett i think that there's definitely more than a sliver of hope for grant williams and his potential like he was getting al horford comps in in his first year at least as far as like the player archetype that he is kind of like a heady big man who might be more of a pass first than a shoot first or more of a post up kind of guy so I think that his basketball IQ um, you mentioned the board games his mom works for NASA or worked for NASA like there there are some smarts in there and if they can be honed and focused by the right coach like you said there Jason then um, I think there is hope for him He's definitely he's not a dumbass like that you know he, yeah. surely he can be honed into some sort of success um, or carved into a role um, that's needed by the team here this year his overall his field goal percentage increased his three point percentage went from twenty five percent to thirty seven percent he finished the season a minus point zero eight which like almost makes him like a net neutral on the court for the season. <laughs> Very difficult to evaluate. So why are as people a result, not Grant Williams. <laughs> there were well, some I, rough games. There were yeah, there some really were rough games yeah. where he looked crazy lost on both ends, and at at a point where we needed him to be something much better than he was. So I think frustration gets curbed into a lot of the like, okay, well, what should we do with Grant Williams going forward? Takes and if you and if you don't feel like you can point the finger at right either of the Jays. And Kemba's not playing because he's hurt right now, and and Rob's on the bench because he's hurt right now. It's like who else do you have to point the finger at? Too many times we're depending on Grant Williams and Chevy Ojale <laughs> to hit like the yeah, game the tying three after we've come <laughs> yeah. back from fifteen points after another horrible third quarter. You know, it's like <laughs> Garrett just nailed it. Yeah, the problem isn't like that Grant isn't good enough. It's that we're kind of like asking Grant to be something different than he's equipped to be. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a seventh man. Probably needs to be like a nine or tenth man for at least another year or two. Um, let's move on. User Hoot writes, This team is actually a top three seed, but the injuries and COVID hid Love that. Them. Very minimal changes need to be made. Um, the, the seeding aspect of that, I think, is like fair. And, you know, you could shuffle the standings in either conference based on the impact that COVID had on other teams. The minimal changes to be made, though, I think is what we should focus on because that's definitely an unpopular opinion. I think, you know, we've already seen maximal changes in the front office level with, you know, (laughs) Coach Brad being promoted and and Ainge being out the door. Um, Jason, what's your take on this? Do you think we can get by with minimal changes? So when I read this whole thread, right, the the theme that I pick up on is it's like there's this this ideological battle happening in the sub right now between the quote-unquote doomers 
and like the green teamers. <laughs> so like the group of folks that just believe in all the goodness that is the young guys on the bench and they're all going to become, you know, borderline stars themselves and we just need to be patient. And then the side that's like, you're all ridiculous. All. You're not observing. <laughs> <laughs> you burn it all down to the ground. Bring me Dame. Bring me Bradley Beal. Uh, you know, get get Jordan out of retirement. Like something. <laughs> bring on some, ex- you know. So so when I read this take, I, I feel like no matter what, I'm going to come across a little bit like a green teamer because I do look at this squad and I say, hey, Langford didn't get a shot for the season, right? Like he got a shot to show a little something in the playoffs because he was finally healthy enough to be on the court. But none of these guys got an off season. The rookies didn't get a preseason or even, you know, or a summer league or a training camp and none of that. Like the, the deck was stacked against this team. There's no way around it. Like anyone going into this season thinking that the, the top of the mountain had to be a championship was setting themselves up for disappointment. I mean, that's always going to be the goal. And and for a Boston sports team, that's what we take pride in is that we expect championships. That's what we want. But I just feel like after the, the postseason we had last year, last season, the lack of any kind of in-between for this season, and then the series of injuries and illnesses that plagued this team, I'm of the camp where I'm like, I want to know what we've got at least a little bit more than we do right now before we start shipping all this out. Because we've just too many organizations, too many times, Celtics included, have been burned by giving up on solid young talent. And the way this league is going right now, you're not doing yourselves any favors by cashing in young talent on rookie deals for exhausted talent for the sake of like name and borderline, you know, decent stats you know we can we can go down the list of journeyman veterans that we think are going to make the difference for this squad but but really the difference for the squad is is a consistent (laughs) is a consistent 10 to 12 point score coming off the bench like that's the difference right now between where we're at right now and what we need for next season to be successful well i think the the good news is for uh Hoodoo Toot and uh, Jason is that uh, I don't think it's really that possible for the Celtics to make a ton of changes this year, uh, regardless of whether they want to or not. So I think we're going to see a lot of the same people and we're going to figure out what this team should have, could have, would have been last season. Um, and, and I agree that I think that is a, a good thing. I mean, I it's it's just so this was just such a a tough season and I like you look at like I mean like Miami like got smoked in the playoffs like yeah. and uh the Lakers who just won the championship like like you look at the other teams that went as deep as the Celtics did in the bubble last year they're they're struggling and like the Nuggets did the best out of out of them but even so like obviously they were struggling with injuries with Jamal Murray and and a handful of other people I mean I I think it's the you the whole like narrative all year I feel like was like the, the no excuses or whatever and you know somebody's got to win the championship so why can it be us or whatever but I, I I think it's so easy to be negative coming off of a season like this and it's just like and and I feel like people feel like the window with Jason and Jalen is way smaller than I think it is like people are like if like if we're not competing every year they're just gonna like snap and disappear one season you know it's like <laughs> I, I i think we got that's a real fear and it, 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 that's a real fear yeah, yeah. you know 
Um, well, I think pe- people are shook by how many star players have done that, have, have somehow that's, you know yeah, gotten out of their true. contract or not necessarily their contract, but gotten out of the the team that they were We've contracted experienced to play it for here in I, Boston. Yeah, I went back. Yeah, absolutely. I went back and looked at some of that though, right? Like I looked back at some of that, and damn near every single one of the cases where uh, a superstar player, like ad- admittedly and openly asked to get out of an organization, six to eight years. After after being committed, so mm-hmm. so well into that second contract, all right. And in those six to eight years, the teams that they're leaving, right? Like they were, by and large, junk teams. Like they just they were not invested like, in winning in a legitimate best, way, or like, didn't have an organization. Like the Trailblazers, who were like first or second round exits, beside that one year where they kind of lucked in. Well, they're the one of the better run organizations, right? Yeah. Like, and Dame's been super patient over there, and he's still not demanding a trade. Like everyone's talking, like dudes demanding a trade. He's not. <laughs> he's asking for his choice of coach to get brought in, but he's not asking to go yeah, anywhere. I really hope they get Jason Kidd because then he'll just be yeah. off the table. <laughs> get him off the board. Yeah. <laughs> Do us all a favor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying there. I, I probably would challenge the the run it back scenario a little bit, but Garrett, like you said, like we, we're kind of hamstrung here, and I don't know what other options we have. Um, although that kind of remains to be seen how, how creative Brad Stevens and his staff can get in the offseason. Um, having a, like a six, seven, eight off the bench that are all sort of rookies or sophomores uh, is a bit of a worry. I think particularly how young our two stars are. And we talk about like complementary pieces a lot on this podcast and complementing our young stars with even younger non-stars doesn't seem like a winning recipe to me. Um you know, and then you could say, okay, well, what about Tristan Thompson? What about Jeff T? They were veterans. They sucked. Uh, yeah, there's a happy medium there. Well, I guess we need to bring in <laughs> non-sucky veterans, which is clearly a lot easier said than done. Have I mentioned so Jeff Green Chris before. Paul, he only wants like $100 million. <laughs> yeah. So just go get Chris Paul. Garrett's just come on this podcast and just championing Jeff Green from, from the get-go. I wish he but I'm pretty sure he wants to, he, he would love to stay in uh, in Brooklyn, but... I think so. Oh, I just, I just I love think, his know, narrative as as... of turning... He's, he, he was like over the overpaid benchy for a while and all of a sudden now he's like the, he's the good the good bench center yeah who knew <laughs> amazing um, god bless the the modern nba d- did you guys ever watch the game of zones yes <laughs> it, yeah. i don't know if you remember the episode like after Dwayne wade signed with the bulls and uh they run into mario chalmers and he's like, oh, Dwayne, you remember me? We were part of the big four together in Miami. And sometimes I feel like that's Tristan Thompson. Like, yeah, it was LeBron, K-Love, Kyrie, and me. And it's like, yeah. Stacked. I mean, it was a little difference in those players there, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think whether or not you agree on whether or not changes should be made it's more of a question of can they be made, uh, not even will yeah. they be made, and they may not be able to be made. But you know, plenty, plenty to discuss there as the offseason progresses. I will say that the Celtics were seven and three before Tatum went down with COVID on January nine, and then went twenty nine and thirty three, so well under five hundred from Jan nine onwards. Also, a notable lack of Kemba Walker in that awesome seven and three stretch to begin the <laughs> the season there. But anyway, I digress. Red Let's move on. Seven and three. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, user So Meta writes, 
here goes. This is a bit of a rant here. The Celtics fan base has gone too far. 10, 15, 20 years ago, the Seas fan base was knowledgeable and passionate relative to that of other teams in the NBA. Heck, LA fans used to show up fashionably late after the game had started in Celtics-Lakers finals games. Now, many other fan bases have caught up in terms of caring and understanding the game, while Seas fans are more entitled and demanding than ever without being more knowledgeable. It makes following the team less fun for fans, and for the first time, I genuinely understand how an average free agent would prefer to go somewhere else. Garrett, thoughts on this somewhat scorching take? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry the NBA is getting more popular. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I like it's a head scratcher. Unless like there are some like obvious things to not do as fans, like not throwing stuff at players or, you know, just like not being really mean to other people. But as far as like, oh, you're you don't know enough about the sport, like that type of gatekeeping or like you're too happy or you're too sad about this team. It's like, I, I don't know, like let people be fans the way they want to be fans. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like this person. I, I hope. Uh, I, I hope they can find a way to enjoy rooting for the Celtics. Uh, I, I really do. Um, but I, I personally, like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm yeah. with you. What do you think, Jason? I, I think it's a good take, and I, I think everything that went on with the Kyrie situation is a good example of I think what this this what was the username again? I'm sorry. So meta. So meta, of, of course it is. Of course it is. So meta just dropped a truth bomb that I think is worth considering. I mean, as a fan base, we've taken a lot of pride in, in decades worth of success over a lot of other organizations. And there's a certain amount of arrogance that comes along with that, whether it's you know well-intended or not. And so I think the fact that the NBA is now such a global game the internet now and the way that we're able to to share and spread knowledge and enthusiasm about the game the idea that boston is uniquely a more passionate or knowledgeable fan base yeah i i think we've aged out of that like as as an nba community i think we've aged out of it and i don't think it's worth it to try to hold on to that as some kind of crowning achievement i mean what's the what's the downside to other fan bases being equally knowledge, knowledgeable and passionate i don't see a downside to that um, we just all we feel less awesome and superior. <laughs> That's the downside. Yeah, I, I, I like feeling like, superior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, let, let's let the guys <laughs> on the court decide who the superior team is on any given night. You know, and and let's just enjoy the game. So I'm I'm with that take a little bit. I, I think I I see a little bit of what what Somet is on about. Um, and I I kind of wish certain aspects of our our fanhood could could temper a bit. I think we'd be better for it. Yeah, I don't I don't know the whole thing about it making it less fun like to follow the team. I don't know, like just don't be so concerned with what other people are doing like in their lives in general, let alone in their like fan fandom specifics. Like just just watch the team, enjoy it. We got these two young Jays. Life's good, you know? We've got a turning over a new leaf with Brad Stevens coming into the presidential role here. Could be a lot worse. I don't but know. It's a conspiracy though. It's a conspiracy because <laughs> they didn't want to fire him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's another thing that we can unpack in a, a future episode because it's going to be a long and, and dry and boring off season. Let's get back to another take by the OP, user 2008 Finals Game 6. The inclusion of memes hasn't improved this sub as much as I thought. Uh, Jason, do you want to kick us off with the, the meme? Unacceptable. <laughs> See, Unacceptable. you're on board with the memes? 
I'm on board with the memes, man. I, I've been frustrated that they haven't. Like, I'm not saying that we've had a whole lot of great quality memes so come step through. The meme game, and on, it's a little. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. a little disappointing, but we're also new. All right, we haven't had memes. You know, like we're just kind of getting warmed up. We're trying to figure the thing out. Um, but I'm about it. I mean, it's it's a nice way for people to be able to let off steam. I think in a social media environment where, you know, having having non incendiary ways to do that is ideal as opposed to making extreme takes and then telling each other to do terrible things to each other's mothers. Like (laughs) the memes just seems like a better outlet. (laughs) And you know, if you can get a chuckle out of a couple of them, that's good. If you can make fun of some of them because they're just that bad, that's good too. I'm, I'm with it on either side. I think I aged myself by using the phrase on board with the memes. That just sounds like something a very old person would say. So I apologize. Uh, Garrett, you seem like you're a little younger than us. Um, you, so what are your thoughts on Yeah, on I the think memes? memes have made this subreddit lit, yo. Um, oh, okay. Um, the, I, I was just, I was also trying to sound old uh, for, you know, if, if we got any uh, Zoomer uh listeners out there um hopefully they'll laugh at that or maybe i'm not funny who knows um (laughs) uh yeah i don't know i i mean i think more memes is almost always a good thing uh even if yeah even if maybe we just gotta get together as a collective and and put some uh put some better memes together but uh, i think we'll get there in time um garrett do you know how to do you make memes i can a memer i can you can if I if all I think right. it has the capabilities. <laughs> I think I think we all right. We're gonna we're gonna figure something out. We got. They, they need like the- they they need like a, a separate mod team for the memes alone because I understand that there's no AI, there's no machine learning that you can apply to determine whether a meme is funny <laughs> and then automatically block it if it isn't funny. It requires human <laughs> intervention to to make that calculation. Um, and downvoting, you know, if you're part of the of the very noble. Knights of New of R slash New, um, who who basically exclusively browse the subreddit based on on chronologically new content, then you're going to encounter some of these very unfunny memes, as I do on a daily basis. I'm also older. I'm you know relative to the average internet age, and uh, yeah, you're going to encounter these memes, and a lot of them sort of um, how can I say it? They they dry up the joy of the sub by being completely unfunny, and downvoting just doesn't feel emphatic enough like how unfunny it is like to click a little down arrow button doesn't it doesn't you just need more it's not commensurate to like my my you anger need, and, you need and to get distaste. like the the mick jagger in in that uh john mulaney's it's a not funny yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely we need we need more so the mod team you know get your get your code out develop these tools for us so we can we're unsatisfied as a as a user base here so i'm i'm down on the memes but uh i am older than that your average internet citizen so that Hopefully might have a lot to do with it I, I can come up with some good stuff and we can uh, <laughs> make it yeah make we're, we're going to team up we're, we're going to figure some something out now. we're going to get to our own takes now how about this as an unpopular opinion you can't win a championship with two wing players as your two best players so, That's it, I'm out. <laughs> wow. Right, we've lost Jason. <laughs> Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, your small forward. I know, you know, we talk about positionless basketball and everything nowadays. They they're your small forward archetype. You, I guess you could argue that Jalen Brown is a two guard, but you know, they're both between six seven, six nine. Typically speaking, that's that's a small forward. If you look at the championship teams for the last, I don't know, twenty years or so. Lakers, Raptors, Golden State Warriors being the last three. Lakers, you've got a small forward and a power forward. 
Toronto Raptors, you've got a point guard and a small forward, so Lowry and, and Kawhi Leonard there. Golden State Warriors, you've just got five amazing players in your starting lineup, the the lineup of death. Cavs, you've got LeBron and a point guard. And Spurs Tristan Thompson. in 2014. Don't forget. Yeah, of course, Tristan Thompson. Don't forget. Um, <laughs> it, as far back as you go, like I'm just looking through the list now, and it's usually either a combination of a small forward and a center or a point guard and a small forward. You could you could argue we've got the small forward, but you've got to go back as far as the Bulls in '98, and even then you're talking Michael Jordan, you know. So I guess as far as like um, physical dimensions and somewhat positionally, you know, you could pair up Jordan and Pippen. <laughs> I can't believe I'm even saying this with with Brown and, and Tatum as far worse. as their physical dimensions. <laughs> um, but obviously, there's a huge talent disparity there, so it doesn't really count. And Agree so, to disagree. <laughs> fair, fair. Noted. Uh, so it, it's, it's basically unprecedented for two star players of those positions to lead their team to a title. And we've got sort of a live ball-in-the-air situation with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard still alive in the in the conference semifinals there but other than that it's not being done it's not not being done um that's obviously a hugely unpopular opinion to all Celtics fans so I'm curious to hear what you guys think of that one I and look some of this might just be coming from the fact that I just I don't want to see him leave just yet um (laughs) see either of them leave but I think some of that might be because that for I mean, the wing as it is now is just not what it was for a large portion of NBA history. And so I think that maybe some of that, the reason it hasn't been done is just because of the way the game is played, potentially. And so the possibility for that being, for that happening might be stronger now than it ever was before. Um, but, but I think you definitely have some merit to that. I'd be interested to see like what teams had a pair of two superstar wings that like came up short, you know, like when, like, when was that a possible? Oh, let me tell you. Okay. Jason's got it. (laughs) Yo. So, all right. Celtics last year. Sorry. (laughs) Celtics last year. Yeah. 2000, 2000 Pacers, Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, these guys got to the finals. That net, like uh, Reggie that, Miller wasn't like me. that good though. Like, I mean, he was like, it's also a two god. Do I have to throw my headphones again? What is happening? Here? <laughs> <laughs> so Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose. Now, the interesting thing about that squad in particular, though, is they both, for the season at least, averaged under twenty points. So that, like, that was a team that was Did just built around at that point, or was that a little before? No, that, this is pre. Okay. This is pre Jermaine O'Neal. This okay. is like. Um, they had Mark Jackson, Dale Davis, right, right. Rick Smits, Austin Crozier. I think Crozier was their third leading scorer on that on that squad. But that team ended up taking it all the way to the finals, and they ended up losing to Shaq and Kobe in the finals. And and you just you weren't going to beat tough. that prime Shaq, <laughs> you know, like it just wasn't going to happen. That being said, they gave them a hell of a. I mean, they went six games. There they went toe to toe with that team, and and that's Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose. And like you just said, like they're not the top echelon level wing players either. But that was an example of a team that was built around your two dominant players being wing position players. The 99 Knicks had Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell. Oh, Latrell. And that team also made it to the finals 
and also lost to big men, lost to the Twin Towers, yep. right? Lost to Duncan and David Robinson. Now, what's interesting well. about that squad, what's interesting about that squad is you had those two wing players leading the charge, and they did end up losing in the finals, but if you remember, they lost Ewing on their way there, too. Mm. And so Ewing being, you know, active in the playoffs during that run, which he wasn't, they had to run with Camby as the starter at that point, might have been a very different matchup against that Knicks team. But Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell were a dynamite combo that made that Knicks team just a rough house to deal with. Um, you had Latrell just cutting all the lanes and he was, you know, he's a dog on defense. And then Allen Houston was just fire from outside. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got the 90s Bulls, which are built around Jordan and Pippen. I think it's a valid point. I think the easier way to get yourself a championship is obviously have a dominant big. You got a dominant big, you're going places, you know. If, but if you build your team thoughtfully and if you give yourself, uh, you, you need a third guy that can get you 15. You need a third guy that can get you 15 and be good with that. And ideally, if you've got the two wings, you're looking at that from either your your lead guard position or from your center position. I think Rob is that guy that can get you 15. If he's healthy, Rob's the the guy that can get you 15 and be that third primary offensive threat. And he covers a different area of of offensive production than the Jays do, which is just all around that basket right now. You know, his his threat as that lob option opens up a lot of a lot of options for those two guys and others out on the perimeter and his passing especially when he's up at the high post is also hugely advantageous so then you just need to find out who's your guy coming off the bench that's going to be able to get you buckets you need like 12 to 13 off the bench to make it happen with a roster built around two wings I stand by it. I'm, I'm sta- just playing. I stand by my take. <laughs> <I'm> just playing. <laughs> can't win with two wings unless oh, one of them is Michael Jordan. It can't be done. Prove me wrong. Like Prove me wrong, Tatum and Brown. Like, like, who, what big are we going to run into the finals that's going to, like, really, like, give us Embiid. trouble? We're not going to run into him in the finals. Jokic. Jokic. Potentially Jokic. I think Jokic, I think... Aiden, that would be Aiden's a problem. He's just getting started. That that could be if he develops. That could be true. He's a problem right now. He's he's <laughs> he's not a problem. He's not a capital P problem. Oh, I don't know. Have you been watching these games? But like, we can't sit here right now and say, "Oh no!" Like I'm worried about running into DeAndre Aiden in yeah. the finals. Yeah, like, that's oh what I'm shit, we what, are we, what are we gonna like, do? Yeah. Sort of, like, I think the biggest problem would be trying to get past Joel Embiid in the conference finals or whenever we would face the 76ers. Although so far in his career, unfortunately, it's proved that if you did play the 76ers in the conference finals, he probably wouldn't be there, um, mm-hmm. or he would not be healthy because he is he's not been able to do that. Um, unfortunately, but I think if you faced a healthy Embiid in the playoffs, I think that would be trouble. But I think as far as people coming out of the West right now, like I, there aren't a ton of super threatening bigs outside of obviously Jokic, at least from an offensive standpoint. I want to point out something else about Jalen too, though, because when you're talking about not being able to have two wings, there's something that's happening that I think just shouldn't be happening. And that's a lack of consideration for Jalen Brown. All right. My favorite meme on the Celtics subreddit is, have you considered Jalen Brown? One of the things I'm hearing all over the place right now is everyone wants to trade Jalen because for some reason they think that there's a, there's a level of star that maybe we'd be able to obtain for trading him. And I just think that that's a really short-sighted take because this is a dude that has demonstrated each consecutive year upward trajectory and ascension 
to what I think is going to be damn near Tatum level stardom. Like, I think this dude is not as far behind Tatum as a lot of people are out here thinking that he is. One of the things that's held him back is that that third season of his was supposed to be his time to really break out and shine because his second sophomore year, he came out, he averaged like 14, almost 15 points a game. And he was starting to really like do his thing. He was attacking inside. His outside shot was coming along, still struggled at the free throw line. That next year, he was supposed to be that dude. But then he got put on the bench for Marcus Morris, one of the just most bizarre decisions that I've never been able to understand or get behind ever. So putting him behind uh, Marcus Morris went from taking a guy that was ready to make that ascension to a 20-point score and had him on the bench getting you 13 points a game. The very next season after that, when he gets put back into that full-time starter role, 20 points a game. The very next season after that, this past season, damn near 25 a game. Like, what are we talking about? You do not trade this level all-star talent and expect to be better afterwards. But what if you could replace him with the big man equivalent? So personality stuff is aside, that? there's a lot of stuff that we that? like. That's a very good question. <laughs> and we, we do not have enough time for that deep dive, uh, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. we're going to end it there, he says. Well, we've got oh, a few more things to get to. That's a pro move. That's and a pro it's move. also, uh, I think, a topic for another podcast because you know it's, it's still early in the in the offseason. And at some point, we're going to be scraping for content. J- Jalen Brown is. Uh, just like for the record, though, I, I don't want to see Jalen Brown traded either. I love him both on and off the court. Uh, <laughs> I think that the value he brings, like to the, a franchise that is maybe scrambling for like a, a better overall, like outside, um, uh, like perspective and, and viewpoint from from non fans and, and non players, like our image is maybe being tarnished by some of the moves made in the last few years. Uh, so I think Jalen Brown does a, a lot for us there. Obviously, he's great on the court as well. I do think that he is nipping at the heels of, of Jason Tatum as far as like overall skill and, and ceiling. But we've got to remember that Jason Tatum is also um, you know, raising his ceiling on a on a you know almost a daily basis or a game by game basis. Yep. And whether or not Jalen Brown can catch up with him or might hit his ceiling while Tatum is still ascending, um, those are good problems to have. Right, but hey, these guys are both in the Wonka Vader, and they're about to break through that glass ceiling of the league. I'm telling you, it's going to be good times. Need Jason to average like fifty reference. a game and Jalen to average thirty. <laughs> yeah, and we're good. That, that's your two wings winning a championship yes. right there. That's that's the formula. Hopefully, the new coach can uh, can make that happen. Now, guys, we've got to move on from these unpopular takes because we have what I believe will be another unpopular take that has just been announced. I'm going to start with the tweet by Shams. Sharania, the 2020-2021 All-NBA teams are, first, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, the second team, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, LeBron James, and the third team, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. No Jason Tatum. So heading straight over to a post on the sub by user Highlighter Ted that just posted this a minute ago. Jason Tatum misses the cut for All-NBA. Garrett, we'll start with you. Were you expecting Tatum to make All-NBA? And what are your thoughts on him ultimately missing out? I mean, he wasn't really that good for most of the season. Oh, unpopular so, opinion again. <laughs> ooh, yeah. I mean, I love it. I, I mean, not, not, not like obviously. He was being nice early, but the gloves are off. Now. <laughs> like, like, I'm not like, not like he was bad, but like, 
like respective to like the all NBA players, like he was clearly, I mean, we, it was a topic of discussion for the whole season, how like Jason was still struggling with, you know, the effects of COVID the whole time and was just clearly not quite himself. And Jalen Brown was our best player for most of the season, I would say. Um, and, and, and so, I, I mean, it, it doesn't, like he really came on at the end of the season and showed out in the playoffs. Uh, but, but I think that that kind of erases a lot of the a like the time that he missed just straight up, um, not playing. And then also like a lot of the time he was playing where he was while still very good, just not really at an all NBA level. So, I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate and he could have possibly snuck on the third team maybe, but I'm not like, I, I can understand why this happened. Mm. Okay. Yeah, what do you think, Jason? I cannot understand why this happened. <laughs> I love the opposing <laughs> takes here. This is great. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, for no other reason than he's just better than Julius Randle first and foremost. Julius Randle had a great season. Most improved player. Totally get it. Yeah, he averaged more assists. Totally get it. Not a better player than Jason Tatum. There's no one in the league, no organization in the league that I, at least, that would openly publicly admit that they would trade Jason Tatum for Julius Randle. There just isn't. He's not better than Jason Tatum. He's not. I mean, and and Jason should get paid accordingly for being an all-NBA player because he is, for sure, one of the top 15 best players in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, these these appointments to these all-NBA teams, they are subjective. You know, they're voted on by, you know, mostly people in the media, I, I believe, uh, and some people around the league. So, because like, I'm just bias. looking at the stats here. Yeah, absolutely. And like Julius Randle had maybe a more impactful season than Jason Tatum and that he led a team that uh, and a franchise really that's been failing for decades to their highest point in a really long time and injected a lot of hope into into that franchise that they um that's been absent for for a really long time. So I can kind of and you know the fact that he won most improved player as well. I could I I understand the presence of Julius Randle versus the, the lack of Jason Tatum there. The, the thing that really gets me is the Paul George inclusion. I'm just looking at the stats now, and obviously this is all just sort of um, coming uh, into the fold as we talk about it, so I haven't had an opportunity to do the full deep dive, but Tatum's stats like through and through are just better than Paul George's stats. Um, you know, Obviously, the Clippers are still playing. They had a more successful season. Paul George was a big part of that. You know, Maybe I'm talking myself out of it, but I maybe Jason Tatum should have made it there above Paul George, and I suspect that's going to be a topic of contention for, for the remainder of the offseason there. I mean, the um, other person you can say is, like, LeBron. Sure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, obviously, again, like, so like, ob- like if we're just taking best players, like, I would take LeBron over most of these people. But if we're talking about this season, like, LeBron missed a ton of time, you know, so it's like, I mean, I think it, it, it's like, if we're yeah, if we're just talking about best players, like yeah, I would take Tatum above some of the guys that made this list. But you got like I just I just like automatically accept that LeBron LeBron's gonna make it, you know, and like people love the Randall story, so I assumed he was gonna make it too, and so it's I, I guess that's I'm just not. He totally got in for the story. Surprised. Yeah. Yeah. He got in for the story. He be- he better come. He better come back in next and, season. And he better back you, it all up. I mean, up. we saw in the playoffs who was the better player between those two for sure. I think so. absolutely. Well, yeah, he he got exposed in the playoffs. I, I believe the, the implications there long term for the Celtics is that you know as long as Jason Tatum isn't making an All NBA team as part of this contract, 
he is only eligible for a contract that goes up to 25% of the overall cap as opposed to 30 if he did make it. So, I don't know. Again, this is borderline unpopular opinion. You know, it's a very contentious um, topic here, but whether or not to cheer for the success of your cornerstone player or the wiggle room, for lack of a better term, that your front office has due to their shortcomings in this case. And, you know, that's 5% of a cap gain, essentially, long-term for the Celtics and Tatum not successfully making an all-NBA team here. So it is multifaceted. It is multi-sided. But I think personally where I sit is I'm just disappointed um, for Jason Tatum. I think he had a great season. I think he's got a good career ahead of him. And, you know, you want him to be able to look back on on his career at the end of it, at the end of the day and say, you know, I made this many all-NBA teams or whatever it is. So for him to miss out here, um, it's a loss and it's it's unfortunate. Maybe it'll be fire in his belly for next yeah, year. Yeah, just make him yeah, mad. Yeah. Make him mad. Because that kind of stuff, that that kind of stuff gets him going. Because I I remember interviews that he did where he talked about like he needed to make the All Star team his third year. He was off his own timeline. Yep, for sure. So like something like this is gonna piss him off. Like that man, like he might not be the kind of vocal, like outspoken guy that everyone kind of sometimes is looking for. But that's a motivated man, mm. <laughs> and he just didn't get given a bunch of money that he wanted, and he played hard to get and earned in my opinion watch out go ahead keep making tatum unhappy i'm good with it <laughs> as long as yeah. keep making tatum yeah. unhappy no, go ahead don't make him too unhappy i mean we want him to stick around the league yeah league come at yeah. him go ahead i just I, I wish him overall happiness that's that's yeah. i guess how my fandom lies I just, I just want him to be a happy guy um 100 you know, speaking of his motivations, this is also something that was reported since we started podcasting uh, this evening. Uh, this is tweeted by Chris Haynes or reported by Chris Haynes. Boston Celtics star Jason Tatum is committed to playing for USA Basketball at this summer's Tokyo Olympics. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. Garrett, we'll go to you first. Up or down on on Tatum's inclusion in the Olympic team? I'm honestly, I'm a little mixed. I mean, I think it's good experience. Um, you know, yay. USA, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, it's Popovich who's great, and I'm sure he can help teach them a lot of stuff and or whatever. But everyone just looked so tired this season, and I just want everyone to be really well rested for next year. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, if he wants to go, then I'm just going to root for him. Plenty of players have decided not to go because they wanted to to have the time to rest or to, to reconnect you know, or whatever the reasons are, no one's felt any kind of way about declining that invitation. So if, if he accepted it and and wants to go, I'm about it. You know, let him shine. Uh, let him continue to get recognized for the amazing player that he is. And I'm a root for him. Yeah, he, he probably knows where he's at better than, you know, obviously better than yeah. any of us do. So I, I trust his decision. Yeah, again, it comes down to just wanting him to be happy and um, fulfilled, right, as a as a professional basketball player. So if he wants to go and do this, I, I would imagine that maybe uh, because they fell short at the FIBA World Cup a couple of years ago, that he probably feels that there's some unfinished business. Uh, Olympic gold medal as well um, has a bit more of a shine to it, literally, than a FIBA uh, medal. So I think that that's probably an incentive as well. Um, from our perspective having our best player go and you know associate with other top players in the league from a networking perspective and potentially you know we've got some cap space opening up when Kemba Walker's contract ends in 2023 could that lead to something 
you know, there's the risk of the inverse where someone reels Tatum in <laughs> to yeah. their franchise. So it goes both ways. Um, but, you know, we get to watch some Jason Tatum in the offseason, essentially, if the Olympics do go ahead. And I think that's a win for all Celtics fans. So uh, ultimately, I'm good like for He it. might be one of the featured players on that roster at this point. Like, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing a backseat role. Yeah, and, and he was a feature player on the FIBA team a couple of years ago, and they fell short. So if he is a feature player, you know, this time with the Olympics, let's see what level of success they have comparatively, and, and how does that indicate or how does that measure, you know, his improvement as an overall player? I think that's really interesting. So uh, we'll see. Get him, Tatum. Look, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the lovely people of Celtics Reddit for your unpopular opinions. Garrett, might I... the star today. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what this podcast is all about. Garrett, might I say a great debut, my friend. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. Very happy to have you. And Jason, you're basically a vet at this point. So thanks again, mate. That's what I'm here for. Now and forever. Bleed green. <laughs> all right. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.